The A5 Dis team has created a podcast to empower you, the learners we serve. This podcast features conversations that illuminate the topics that are important to you. It is our hope that you will walk away with new tips, tricks, and ideas to inspire you as a whole educator. Hey guys, welcome back to iTalks, the podcast with illuminating conversations that empower the learners we serve. As our world grows with constant changes and increasing complexities, our students need to be prepared with skills to solve problems, synthesize information, and make evidence-informed decisions. Now these skills are built into effective classroom practices by integrating the four disciplines of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, collectively known as STEM. Some practices would even include the additional integration of the A for arts, moving STEM to STEAM in support of our humanities disciplines. In this episode of iTalks, we're tapping into our own district resources to bring you expert knowledge from Sandy Bradshaw, Anderson 5's district STEM teacher leader coach, who shares how she supports those practices in Anderson School District 5. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Hey guys, this is Dr. Mitchell, and I am here with Erin Darnell. Hey! And our very own Anderson 5's Miss Sandy Bradshaw. She is currently our... All things. District STEM teacher leader coach, but before she came into that role as in our district, she taught in the classroom. She was the STEM teacher at Midway Elementary, and she is also... The like guru. the superstar guru mm-hmm. of Project Lead the Way. We feel extra special to get to have a sit down chat with her today. Welcome, Miss Bradshaw. We're happy to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Miss Bradshaw, will you share a little bit about what your role is in the district? Sure. So as the district STEM teacher leader, I support all 11 elementary schools in anything that's related to STEM. Um, I do a lot with teachers as far as coaching. I've spent a lot of time this year with new teachers, helping them understand standards, helping them to integrate STEM into their lessons. And I also still am able to go into classrooms and teach, so I get to interact with students. So I get the best of both worlds. Um, Love what I do, and I love just visiting all the different schools and, as I say, spreading the good news of STEM to everyone. I would agree. If you haven't been able to contact Miss Bradshaw to have her come into your classroom and do some lessons, I strongly encourage it. She's a wonderful, wonderful leader and has amazing ideas. Erin, while we're in this chat about STEM, just talking a little bit about the four C's of STEM, are you familiar with those? Can you tell us what they are? Uh, yes. So the four C's would be creativity, collaboration, communication, and critical thinking. And so when, in terms of STEM, we really want to make sure that the activities that we're doing, the experiences that we provide for students are really fostering those four things. When students are using the materials, are they able to be creative? 
Are they communicating with one another? Should this go here? No, I think it should go here. Are they collaborating? Are they using critical thinking? So in terms of something didn't work, do I sit and pout and say it didn't work, I'm done? Or do I persevere? Do I look at the problem and think about, mm, how can I fix this or change this or modify this to get the end result that I'm looking for? When we focus on STEM, we also want to make sure we're focusing on those four C's and that the activities we provide are rich with those experiences. And you have experience even all the way down to the littles, the one, the students yes. that are at our South Bent and West Market campus, and you are incorporating these types of things into their learning, correct? I am, yes. So prior to the pandemic, I wrote a grant for uh, STEAM kits to go into the preschools. I actually received the Bosch grant and the Anderson Foundations grant. So in total, I was able to get $3,000. And what I did is I worked with Miss Bradshaw and we came up with the grant and, and uh, submitted it. I was able to buy the materials. So the preschools right now, there's five kits. And in the kit, there's Legos and there's a Lego board for them to work with. There are rubber bands with like the little peg boards, kind of like the old geo boards we used to have in, in schools. Uh, a little bit safer, not those little nails nailed into wood. <laughs> uh, they've got whiteboard and dry erase markers. They've got uh, little Petri dishes and little science lab coats where they can, and uh, color dye, so they can take the colors and explore with how they change depending on what colors they put together. There is also, I'm trying to remember what I, oh, magnets. So there's a magnetic board and a Velcro board, and there are activities and materials to go along with each of those. So students can take little pin magnets and make letters or shapes or numbers. They can take the Velcro that is on the back of PVC pipes, and the PVC pipes also have magnets. And the feedback that I got from the teachers is that their favorite, the student's favorite, is the marble run. In that one activity, you can see all those four C's working. Like just walking in and watching for two minutes, you can see kids rearranging, that didn't work, why don't we try this, communicating with each other, collaborating with each other. And it's so fun to see. And you forget they're three and four, and they're still able to do these higher level thinking activities. I really appreciate that you remember the littles in the activities you know sometimes we just kind of forget that they're there and it's overlooked but they are part of our learning community they and are. once they enter the elementary setting the fact that they have that hands-on approach and they've the, the motor skills that they're learning mm. is huge and so just from my own personal side thanks for remembering them oh. and making well. sure that they had STEM learning in their education that they have over there. Miss Bradshaw, sometimes we have passion projects. That's what I'm, that's my new word for it is passion project. And something that I am passionate about is building maker spaces in each of our mm -hmm. schools. So if you were to design the ultimate STEM maker space area in a classroom or in a school, potentially, um, what do you say the, the three must-haves would be? So, so thinking about just three must-haves, is really difficult to just narrow it down to three because there's so many things. But I would say you definitely need to focus on some of the things that Erin just talked about, even for the little children in preschools, is, and that is to 
give them different options as far as like the building everyone's going to say they want building supplies and things like that well that's great that's wonderful and that's what we do, do want to have there some hands-on opportunities but you want to give them lots of options in those so that you can build those fine motor skills and you can do things that are going to support what they need as far as developmentally goes uh, i also would say that you need some type of technology there that needs to be used at, in a real world kind of way. I would want them to have, like um, years ago when we first started STEM, I had iPads and now we have the Chromebooks. But I like for students to have an option, like you have tables here that you can write on, you can sketch. So you need something like that. Even if it has to be a, a traditional, just plain whiteboard, that's okay. But I would love to move towards something that was more technology related if we could do that. And then, um, so that was my two things, is the building things. And then, honestly, just some of the other things that I would have there would be just really uh, just a combination, a variety of different materials that they could be creative with. You would have to um, definitely set some parameters in, in a classroom and the organization of it. You'd have to have some type of thing for that. But, I mean, I could go on and on and tell you lots of different specific things. But for me, it would be something that they could be creative with they could actually communicate and use that technology then to show what they've learned, and that would be a piece of their communication as well, and some choice. They need some choice there so that the learner is empowered as they're going through that. So I, I completely agree. Sandy, mm -hmm. you mentioned choice yes, and being able to empower those students. And as a teacher, if I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, okay, I, I, maybe I do want to start incorporating a lot more STEAM-type activities mm -hmm. or STEM-type activities into my classroom. I've heard you say definitely make sure I'm setting parameters, mm -hmm. but do I need to dictate and script out everything that the students and how they should utilize it and what they should make? Should that be on my plate as a teacher? No, that should be on the student's plate because we're, we're as you know, in Anderson 5, we're learner-centered, and so STEM should be that if you walk into a classroom that is rich in STEM mindset, then you're going to see the students like guiding their own learning almost. Uh, yes, you have to set up what you want them to do. Just for instance, um, if you say build a tall tower, great, but that tower could look different for all of them, but it would end up that they had actually completed that task that you wanted them to do. But no, you don't want to set parameters for them I mean, it, it needs to be led by the students so that they're gaining their own understanding. And also providing those opportunities for that, you know, rich communication piece because, let's face it, a lot of children aren't talking these days. Everything, their face is in front of the screen, and so it's a great opportunity for them to collaborate with one another and then they're doing their communication um, in that. So, yes, I would definitely say let the students lead. That's the hardest part for teachers is to stand back and facilitate. Say, you mean I have to give up control? Mm -hmm. <gasps> it's, that's one of the most difficult things in this type of STEM learning is to, to realize they are learning mm -hmm. if I'm not just giving them everything. You know, they used to call it sage on the stage mm -hmm. and all that. Um, I we call it in Project Lead the Way, guide on the side. Yes, yep. And I, I so. think it's not that... It's not that they want to be controlling everything. I mean, I know, you know, that's a cliche of teachers. We want control of everything. Mm -hmm. We micromanage. It's not so much the control piece. I think it's the wanting to make sure their students are successful. And so they try and set it up so that when they first try it out, you're going to be successful. But it's in those, quote, unquote, failures 
that they're actually going to learn. And I read a book, and I'm always talking about this book, but it's a brain science book called Stop Talking, Start Influencing. And the author, Dr. Jared Cooney Horvath, says that learning will not occur if an error doesn't occur. So there's a signal that goes to your brain that says, ooh, this something's not right. Something in my brain did not predict this to happen the right way. And our brains want to find the right piece for that puzzle. So if there is no error, then there is no learning. Mm-hmm. And so when I read that, that was like, you know, light bulb is off. It's, it's not even failing. It's just figuring out what didn't work so that you can modify and change it to continue. And that's with anything, not just STEM, but it definitely applies to, you know, those hands-on creativity. I'm going to play the, the role of the teacher for just a second. And I love these activities and I want to incorporate the activities into my classroom instruction, but I have to give a grade. And I... I don't know what to do. I don't want it to look like they're just playing with things. So wh- how do I incorporate this in and then assess them to ensure that they're learning? So before they begin any type of, of STEM activity or anything, if they're in, if we're talking about the STEM space in the classroom or wherever, then you would definitely, um, you can use rubrics and things like that. But just the reflective piece for the students, you definitely want them to do some self-assessment along the way. Uh, reflection is huge talking uh-huh. to them that's where the teacher as facilitator comes in it's so powerful you, you know we always see in lesson plans teacher observations and that's and that's key and some teachers are just experts at doing that but as you're listening you are assessing but letting those students really self-assess I mean that's that's huge for me and um, as far as getting a grade you use both formative and summative assessments. There's different things that you can look for, whether they followed the process that you wanted, the content knowledge, all of that, because as we know, STEM is an integrated approach. So as long as we're integrating, you can choose. Am I going to take this as math grade? I know that um, you know we look at the different subjects. Truly, in Anderson 5, the integrated units that we're working on right now, you're going to see a lot of ELA science integration, you're going to see ELA social studies, which is the, an easy way to integrate that STEM in there because um, a lot of people who know me know that I usually start a STEM lesson with a book because that's what we, you know, you focus in on that. And just like we think about novel engineering and things like that, where the students just take the problem from the book and then that's where the STEM activity comes from. There's lots of good connections that you can make in that. So I would just say looking at what you want to do, starting with the end in mind for a teacher and then assessing from there. And Sandy, we just had a conversation with a college student the other day uh, for our empowered student uh, episode. And one of the key things that she mentioned was that when she went into college, her professor said, here's the end goal. Here's what you have to have completed. And then it was completely up to her how she got there. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, she likes it because it's she can do her personalization and she can do what works for her. But in the same sense, she wasn't used to that kind of freedom and that kind of autonomy. And so it was it's a bit overwhelming Mm -hmm. of where do I start? How do I set my own guidelines? How do I set my own parameters? How do I set my own? Uh, due dates like I need to make sure this part of the project is done by here because I need to get to this by this date 
And so hearing you talk, it sounds like STEM, STEAM, is a great way to foster those types of experiences, which is in fact preparing them for higher education and even preparing them for the workforce. If we think about businesses, most businesses, here's the end goal. How are you going to get there? You can figure it out on your own. We have to make sure that we are fostering those experiences for our students in K-12 so that whatever route they choose to take after school, they're prepared for. Right. Which goes right along with the profile of the South Carolina graduate as well. And then I'm reminded of a book that um, the CEO of Project Lead the Way, he's actually written two books, but the one called One Nation Under Taught. Mm. And it addresses that very thing that you're saying, is that we're not... You don't empower the students to set their own goals and to take ownership of their own learning. And as they're moving toward careers, then they're not prepared. And so he's saying how we need to transform things with the STEM education Mm -hmm. in that book. How do you think that STEM fits in with personalized learning? So with personalized learning, again, that goes with the goals that we have in mind and how each student has a different way that they learn with those different modalities. But it goes a lot with the choice we talked about. I know a lot of the times when I look at things that you all create as disses, then I see choice boards, and it makes me smile when I look at that (laughs) because I know that given that is personalizing, um, I just think that we have to empower them with, with what they need. I agree. Make sure you never miss a show. Hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcasting platform. Tell us how you envision integrating coding and robotics and all of those things. We have all of these tools in the ILL. We're trying to push the tools out into the schools. So how do you envision that integration with everything? Very much like what we're doing with the work on the integrated units right now. We look at which standards we want to cover, which ones can truly connect, a a good connection. For instance, if we're doing a social studies integrated unit, if there's science standards that can truly go with that, we integrate it. If not, if it's not a perfect match, we don't do that. So with the robotics, that's my vision would be that you look at it and what content standard are we trying to address through that. Outside of that, of course, we're trying to build students' computational thinking, which is what, you know, makes me happy as well, because that's what we want. We're not, as I said years and years ago when we started STEM, not trying to create a whole um, group of students coming out as computer scientists, but we want them doing that computational thinking, which again is going to do what Aaron said, as they grow up and they go into the different careers, no matter what they're doing, they're going to be prepared. So that's, that would be my thing, is to think about which standard, much like with you, I've seen um, a couple of places, I've seen the Ozobots being used. And so one that comes to mind is um, where you retell the story through that path that the Ozobot is taking. Mm-hmm. And I guess timely this week, Very Hungry Caterpillar was one of the very <laughs> yeah, first ones very I true. saw. Yep. Yep. So um, that's the kind of thing that I love seeing. And then something... I'm reminded of the Spiros that were used yeah. um, even as early as kindergarten. Yeah. I saw them being used in that kind of way. And they were teaching math through that. So just making the true connections to the standards that the teachers are trying to teach in the classroom. I think that that's super important to remember is that, yes, we have tools, but what comes first is the content. And mm-hmm. we can build 
with the tools based on the content that the teacher is teaching. And so it's not about what tool, okay, I have an Ozobot, now what? It's I have this standard, now what can I I incorporate? Enrich this standard for an experience. And we're talk we were talking about some tools and the littles, my my passion. You talked about your passion project. Those are <laughs> those are my hearts. Uh, they they now have Ozobots and Bbots on campus. So they are theirs and they are so excited. I had a PD training with them, uh, teaching them how to use the different Bbots, but it was more than just teaching them. It was getting letting them be like the students. They got to experience and play with it a little bit, but then it was ap- application. Now let's build a lesson together. And they built a whole bank of lessons that are now in a shared folder, so they all have access to them. So I might have made one, but I now have access to 11 more, and they're all going to be different. Sandy, I did want to hit on, you mentioned that you serve the 11 elementary schools, and we've talked a little bit about my passions are the littles. Do you know what the future is for middle and high support in terms of STEM? Actually, I was just talking about that this morning with the middle school director. And Ooh. so, yes, there are plans are being made for us to um, work together and for me to, to kind of get in there and support some of the middle schools. And um, I'm, like I said, I've been focusing on the 11 elementary mm-hmm. schools these past two years in this position, but hoping to grow into that and to support them. Um, so, conversations are happening. And I'm sure there'll be some more collaboration with the DIS because we do have ILL tools in the middle and high schools as mm-hmm. well. And there's a DIS that helps to support those teachers. And so I can just see it all coming together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Sandy, I appreciate the collaboration you have with us. We get to pull you in and ask you questions. And you've just been a fabulous resource as we learn our way through STEM and experiences that we have. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Ditto. Yeah. And I appreciate you so much and appreciate all your dedication and your passion and just, you know, working together. I think that truly it's very powerful and I'm I'm excited about the future. Unfortunately, with COVID, things didn't look the way we'd all hoped this year, being able to get in and do things. But, you know, we're looking to the future and just exciting things to come. Is there anything you want to share with? Our people. Final thoughts from Sandy Bradshaw. Well, I would just say, just encourage um, that STEM does not have to be this huge undertaking. You can Mm -hmm. start small. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people think, oh, no, I've got to transform everything I'm doing. And I will say this, that when I first started in, in this position to support the 11 elementary schools, I went to each school studied what their school already had in place and looked for pieces of STEM and we connected there. And I would say it's really, in reality, STEM is just good teaching. Mm-hmm. You can follow the, um, the five E's in science that you hear about, the learning cycle, however you want to say it. But in any situation, any level, it's really just good teaching where you empower students and you give them those opportunities to practice real world skills and you know you base it on real world just like we were talking about with when we collaborate using those tools in that way so absolutely well if you feel the need to get in touch with miss bradshaw you can send her an email you can reach out to your discs we're happy to get in touch with her and have her in your classroom she does amazing things with students anything else erin Uh, What you said reminded me of the conversation we had with our college student 
the real world skills. Yeah. That was the one thing she wished she had more of. She wished she had more application pieces to where she could test out what a, a job might be for her. Mm-hmm. And she, she felt like if she had more opportunities to actually do hands-on things and to experience real-world applications, then she felt like she would have been more prepared. And she did say that the best lessons that she got were the ones where the teacher connected and said, you will need this moving forward in this piece of life. Mm-hmm. And she was like, ooh, if I'm going to need this, then I'm going to listen and I'm going to pay attention. Mm-hmm. So I just that connection piece, you're talking about relevant, real mm-hmm. world, that's what they, they're, they may not be telling us, but our students want that. They want to know how is this going to apply to my life in the future. Very good. Yes. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed our chat with Miss Bradshaw and Aaron and myself. And we hope to have more discussions in the future. Bye, everybody. This concludes another great episode of iTalks, produced by the Anderson School District 5 Digital Integration Specialist. Want to learn more? Check out the show notes and resources on bit.ly forward slash A5 iTalks. Thank you.